Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey, hey, I just wanted to pop on here real quick before the episode starts and give a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Now that that's out of the way, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy it because it helps the podcast grow. And don't forget to be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. Back to mind. Hi, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. We had the absolute pleasure of interviewing the Childhood Collective, or at least two out of three members of the Childhood Collective, and it was so jam-packed with value and information and tips and tricks for you guys that we're going to split it into two separate episodes. So this week, you're going to have part one of the interview with the Childhood Collective. Enjoy! Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. I'm here with Paige as usual, but we have some very special guests with us today. We have Katie and Mallory from the Childhood Collective. Everybody say hey. Hey. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, Tell our listeners what the Childhood Collective is and then who you guys are individually. Sure. So The Childhood Collective is uh, this team of three of us, two child psychologists and a speech language pathologist. And we saw a need in our private practice for families to have readily accessible, high quality evidence-based information about raising kids with ADHD. So we were doing a lot of diagnostic evaluations in our private practice, giving these ADHD diagnoses, but then we saw That's a hurdle in itself, of course, but then we also saw this, this next step of the process, they get the diagnosis and now what, what do we do and where do I learn about ADHD and who can help? So we saw this big need for families in terms of understanding ADHD, what evidence-based treatments are, how they can be supporting their child at home, how they can help their child at school. And we wanted to make that information more readily available for families. So we started the childhood collective and we get this information to families through our blog, through our podcast, um, free guides. And we have some paid courses, one for helping your child at home, one for helping your child at school. Um, so the childhood collective was really born out of this need that we saw of families wanting this information and not knowing where to turn. Personally, I'm Mallory. I am a child psychologist. My PhD is in school psychology, so I've worked in the schools, but I've also worked in private practice. And again, I feel like that um, puts me in a unique position to kind of help families bridge this connection between what's happening at home and what's happening at school, which is really important for our ADHD years because a lot of times school is a struggle and parents don't know what to do in that case either. Um, And then personally, I'm a mom to two young active boys who keep me on my toes. So when I'm not doing the childhood collective, um, I'm with them. I'm not in private practice anymore. 
Yes. And I'm Katie. I'm a speech language pathologist. We also have Lori, who is another child psychologist. She wasn't able to be here today, but um, Lori and Mallory both have that extensive background in diagnostics and parent training and all that kind of thing. And then a lot of people are confused, like, why would a speech language pathologist be a good person to help kids with ADHD? And that's such a good question. Um, but really, I have been in private practice for about 12 years. And um, over those years, you start to kind of get into your area of focus. And for me, it was always kids who were having difficulties with executive functioning. And that's a huge language piece um, to the executive functions and being able to make a plan and organize. And I think we'll get into the executive functions a little bit more today because I just love to talk about that. But um, as a speech language pathologist, a lot of the treatment and support for kids with ADHD is parent and family based. Um, it's not super effective to just sit with the child themselves and kind of like grow these skills. It has to be more integrated. And so I got into parent training and um, it just really kind of all these different backgrounds can dovetail really nicely together um, with the speech and the psychology and all of that to supporting families. Um, I'm also a mom and I recently also left private practice. So now I'm focused on the childhood collective, um, which started really small and has grown a lot. And then I also have two kids. I have a daughter who's eight and a son who's six. And so they were just itty bitty when we started um, childhood collective, but now, you know, they're all getting to be school age. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And that brings its own kind of like new experiences as we're sharing resources with families. We're like, oh yeah, here's what we're doing. So um, that's been a lot of fun. I have to save. So my son has ADHD. He's seven and he has a speech therapist and she has been the most helpful person actually in oh. his like treatment team for me, as far as like stuff at home and things I can do to help him. And so I think it's just a lot of people don't know how much speech therapists do help with more. They, they help with more than just talking, right? Like mm -hmm. just saying yeah. words correctly. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a whole thing to it. And so, yeah, don't sleep on the speech therapist because they're <laughs> super helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I didn't learn in grad school when I was learning about ADHD and evidence-based treatment. It was really once I got into private practice and I was talking to these kids and I was talking to these families and then Katie joined the same private practice that I was at. And she was telling me about the things that she does with, with kids and what skills she can grow. And I was like, wow, like my patients need to see you too. Like this needs to kind of be a a wraparound approach where they're seeing psychology, they're seeing speech therapy, because we both bring kind of unique knowledge and approaches that kids with ADHD really benefit from. So I don't know, it's not something you really know until you start to understand more about what mostly what speech language pathologists can do that you realize that they really play a huge piece in ADHD. Agreed 100%. And I think Lindsay and I both <clears throat> we started mindful as a mother because we saw a similar need in mm -hmm. like bridging that gap of getting accessible resources and information to families who were desperately seeking it. Mm -hmm. And in our, in our back pocket, I think in each of our own private practices, it's like, Hey, we have an occupational therapist that we really <laughs> appreciate and tools that we like to refer families to a speech language pathologist mm -hmm. in our pocket, a clinical psychologist in our pocket. So we can support families in treating the whole child rather than just the symptoms. Yep. 
I love that. And also for the families, I mean, it's so, it can be so taxing for families to be like, okay, I can get my feeding therapy support over here. And that's like a whole separate billing system. And I have to work into their schedule because obviously times are so limited. And then I have to come over here for OT. And sometimes they were like on the same day and you're like, there's no chance I'm driving across town. So I love that idea of kind of just the integrated services for families. I think that's, that's a really important thing. And that's really lucky for families in your area. Cause a lot of people don't, don't have that. Even we're in the Phoenix Metro and it's a very large city, but we don't have a lot of disciplinary, like multidisciplinary practices. So that's very cool. Yeah. And it's something that I think both of us really try to focus on and specifically why we invited you on this podcast, because this season of our podcast is about making sure that the parents have the information and accessibility to resources. And so once a month, we are really trying to bring on you know, valuable, knowledgeable people in this specialty, whether you have ADHD yourself or you're parenting a child with ADHD or both, and then have access to free or affordable resources and information. So that way they can start to advocate for their child and themselves. Love that. I super want to know how you all three found each other. That's what I was just going to ask. I was like, how did this, how did this trio come to be? That's such a funny question because I feel like people like think there's going to be this like really elaborate story and there's really not, I mean, we all sort of became friends over different times, but the, probably the funniest thing is that I met Lori, who's not here today, but I first met Lori probably like nine years ago at an IEP meeting. So we both would do private evaluations and then we would go sit in an IEP and explain our findings to the school district. And so I remember being at this IEP meeting and I pulled in and I was like super late. And um, I remember being like putting on my mascara in the car because I can never get myself organized enough to put my mascara on before I leave the house. Even (laughs) though like I'm blonde, I have blonde eyelashes. It is (laughs) mandatory that I have mascara. Um, So anyway, I remember pulling in and seeing Lori and being like, oh, she looks so put together. And I was honestly kind of embarrassed. Like, you know, if you know Lori, like she always has a pencil skirt. She just looks put polished. Okay. And I'm rolling in like 10 minutes late. My papers are falling out of my bag. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I met her at an IEP meeting literally almost a decade ago. And we sort of got to know each other a little bit, but then we both had our daughters about a year later at the same time. And I was actually looking for a nanny. And so we had mutual friends and she was looking for a nanny and we wanted to share a nanny between two families. And so that's how we first connected. Um, And we nanny shared for a couple of years while our girls were really young. And then Mallory actually did her postdoc, right? Mal, it was your, your residency. Yep. Yep under Lori. So Lori was already in private practice at that time. Mallory graduated and did her residency and Lori was her supervisor. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were at the same private practice. And then like five years later, I moved over to that private practice as well. Not really because of them, honestly, just because it was the right move for me to kind of start a speech program. I know Mal's giving me the look. It was totally because of you, Mallory. No, we didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't know how great a speech language pathologist was until we started working together. And mm-hmm. so, um, and then they both left that practice after a little while, just for different reasons. Lori started her own practice. Mallory had her second child and I stayed there for a little bit longer. Um, but at that point we had all become friends. And so we started to just really understand this need and just a complete 
lack of resources, as Mallory said, like we have so many kids, they get the autism diagnosis and it is a very clear path. Um, these are the steps you take. This is how you get services through your insurance. And ADHD is very impactful in people's lives, but there's just not a lot, as you mentioned, of resources. And so that's how we started it. And honestly, like we all have our own strengths. Like I write all of our emails, a lot of our copy, our blog posts. Mallory runs our Instagram because she's like really good at graphic design and editing, proofreading, making sure things make sense. Um, all of that. Lori does all of our tech, our website, all the things related to that. So it's just kind of like, it, it, I think it was just kismet or something because it really has all just worked out really well. And yeah, it was, I don't know. That's the story. <laughs> I love that. That's very similar to Paige and I, we met on Instagram and then we just started talking. We became friends and then we we're like, let's do this together. And she does all the organizing because my ADHD brain is like, I'm you, I'm 10 minutes late. My papers are like crumpled up, falling out of my bag. <laughs> oh my, gosh. my makeup's half on. Yep. Yeah. So Mallory's the organized one. If that was clear, <laughs> if that wasn't immediately evident, um, she's always on time and always have mascara on. So <laughs> A total win. Um, I just aspire. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> maybe someday I'll be just as organized as Mal, but we, it takes all kinds of kinds. That's what it I does. Think about. It takes all kinds You're of kinds. You're so right. Yes, it does. <laughs> what do you guys see as the benefit of understanding ADHD, like for ourselves and for our kids? I think this is really fundamental. It's the first step in really understanding yourself, if you have ADHD and understanding your child and what their experience is like and why they have the strengths they do and why they struggle with the things they struggle with. And I think that we constantly are placing neurotypical demands and expectations on kids and adults with ADHD. And when we do that without the understanding of how ADHD impacts the brain and how it impacts executive function, then we are very quick to ascribe labels to people with ADHD, lazy, spacey, out of it, um, hyperactive, naughty. And when we don't understand why something's challenging for a child, or we see like a surface level challenging behavior, and we don't understand ADHD, we're very, like I said, we're very quick to give it a label, right? Oh, they're just naughty. They're trying to tick me off. They're malicious. They're doing it on purpose because they know I don't like when they do that. And it's really, it's a dangerous slope. These kids at a young age are getting a label about being naughty when really it's that these demands that are not matching their developmental level are being placed on them and they can't live up to this unrealistic expectation. So really we see parents time and time again, kind of have this aha moment when they start to learn more about ADHD and how it impacts the brain and how it impacts executive functioning, which is things like planning, working memory, emotional control. They start to learn and say, Oh, like, that's ADHD related. Well, that makes a lot of sense or, oh, that's part of executive functioning. And that's impacted in kids with ADHD. Like now I understand why they do that. It's so important. And it's just foundational for people to understand what ADHD is. So we can have, we can approach our kids and other adults with ADHD with compassion. We can just understand that their brain is working differently. And the way that society wants them to do things may not be the best way for their brain to do it. Maybe 
maybe they need to try a different strategy. Maybe we need to accommodate them, but that's kind of fundamental to opening the door to understanding them and getting them the accommodations that they need. I think another piece of that is the parent component is really challenging. ADHD, as you all know, runs in families. It runs so strongly in families, but the truth is a lot of people that are our age now were not diagnosed as kids, especially women, um, but not necessarily only women, but that inattentive presentation of mm -hmm. ADHD was really not well understood. I think there's still instances where it's not well understood, but a lot of parents that we would see and sit with through, whether it's through their diagnostic evaluation, or we talk with them now through our courses and our Instagram, it's like, there is this kind of like you talked about having, you know, grace and understanding for our children, but when parents start to understand like, oh, I, I struggle with that. Like, it's hard for me to control my emotions. You know, I get a bad email and immediately have that like panic, red hot feeling, um, and into giving ourselves as parents, a lot of grace. And so I think that's a huge piece when we reframe ADHD, it's, it's not like a willful, like neglect. I don't care about you. I'm not thinking about you. It's, it's much more at the level of executive function in the brain. Um, and it just really reframes all of our relationships, including the relationship with ourselves. I think that's a, a huge piece in understanding how it all works. I agree. And I think that's something very similar that we experience. Like we work with a lot of moms and they're coming on. They're like, oh, I was, I was on my TikTok rabbit hole. And I think I have ADHD. Um, like I never realized, but now this makes sense or that makes sense. And you know, and sometimes maybe I'm the only one, but doubtful you go on social media, kind of ghost mode and you come across like a big comment or something. And then you're just like, well, let just like, da, 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 da. so the, <laughs> this week I was on there and someone was like, oh, boys will be boys. And they just justify their behavior because dad hates them and blah, 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 like all this stuff. And I was like, okay, okay. But what if, right? Ghost moding. Like, you don't really know me because this is a random thing. Don't Google me. <laughs> I was like, what if, because ADHD is highly inheritable, dad exists similarly in the world and doesn't notice or can't, mm -hmm. can't understand how yeah his son is experienced by different, like different perspectives of what you consider neurotypical. It's like, so it's less of dad's justifying the behavior and more of dad is like, well, this is exactly how I am. So I don't see the problem here. Yeah. We see families and especially moms, but also dads like time and time again, coming upon their own diagnostic journey, following their child's diagnostic journey. And the way it starts when they're sitting in our office at first, when we're doing the evaluation is like, yeah, I, oh, do they have trouble sitting still? Yeah. But so did I, like, I just like movement. It, I focus better when I'm moving. Um, did they get in trouble a lot in class? Yeah, but me too. I mean, that's, that's just how we are. So, you know, there's a lot of rationalization at first of kind of like, yeah, that's the way I was too. And then like, you see this light bulb go off for parents, like, wait, all these questions that you're asking, I'm like, that was like me. Now I'm starting to understand that. Yeah, it was like me because I also have ADHD. So it's been, it's been interesting to watch all these families and parents embark upon their own diagnostic journey following their child's diagnostic journey. And again, they're able, like Katie said, to give themselves, give themselves so much grace and compassion, reflecting back on their whole life. Um, now that they understand ADHD and why they are the way they are. 
I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I feel like there's with social media, there's so much more education out there that, so I got diagnosed at 30 as a therapist, like, and I went through this whole thing, like, how, how did I miss this? I am a therapist and I missed that I have ADHD, but mm-hmm. it's because, and I don't know if you remember grad school, like they don't really tell you about females with ADHD or like Mm -hmm. how that looks. It's really just like the symptoms of like a little boy who's hyperactive. Mm -hmm. So it's been this kind of beautiful unfolding of like, oh, you know, this is the world my children are experiencing and the way their brain works and the way my brain works. And um, the world is made for neurotypical people. But if we can kind of like go through those layers, like, and release the shame of I'm not lazy, I'm not or an unorganized. It's not that I'm not trying hard enough that I need to buy a new planner or a new app. It is really just that my brain functions differently and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a huge piece for us as we talk with parents is like really helping them to, to find some of those resources and things like that. Cause it is hard. Like even you talked about like the TikTok rabbit hole, but like, what do you do after that? you know, like, okay, I think I have ADHD. And then it's like, what, where do I go? Like, you know, kids, at least it's a little more clear. You go to the pediatrician and they give you a list and, you know, that sort of thing, but it it can be really challenging. And I think parents tend to like put their kids first and prioritize that. So anybody that's listening, that's wondering if maybe they themselves have ADHD, you know, it can definitely be worth talking to your doctor to figure out what some next steps might be to looking into that, you know, cause it does, it presents itself in a lot of different ways. A lot of anxiety, um, depression, those kind of things get picked up first when really there is this underlying ADHD that just was never addressed. Mm-hmm. I know personally in my practice, if I am, because I specialize in anxiety and neurodivergence and trauma, so we should all be trauma competent. But um, so when I'm when I'm noticing some specific differences, but someone has come to me all, already presenting with a diagnosis of anxiety from their physician or what, like the unpacking portion. And this is just for our listeners. If you want additional information or you want to seek additional things, there are adult screeners are what they're called. You can go to your clinician or your friend, a therapist and ask for an adult ADHD screener. And I've used that to help my client advocate with their primary care or their psychologist of like, Hey, I've had this resource. This is what it says. Like I would like a full assessment. And that's been really supportive and combating some of the pushback. Um, but outside of that, I really, really love, and this is one of my passions and what we do and <laughs> Lindsay and I together is helping moms reframe their idea of who they are Um, within their parenting journey to really receive like the greatest joy and fulfillment out of what they're experiencing Mm -hmm. and knowing that like how they exist and how they are is okay. And like, like you said, applying that, that Mm self-compassion. So important. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lindsay and I spent special time creating a resource for you guys. It's called nervous system foundation 101. You can find it in our stand store. If you're looking to start the journey of regulating your nervous system and becoming the calm patient parent that we know you want to be, you're going to want to get your paws on this. It was free for a limited time and now it's only listed for $7 in our stand store. We're going to go ahead and pop the link to that in our show notes today. So if you're interested in starting the journey to understand the why, how, and what behind nervous system regulation and how it impacts your parenting, go ahead and check it out. 
Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.